You are listening to Moisture Festival Podcast. Welcome to the Moisture Festival Podcast. I am Matt Baker. I perform a comedy and stunt show. And I'm Louis Fox. I do uh, magic tricks, comedy, and hand shadow puppets. <laughs> and we both have performed at the Moisture Festival for a number of years. So welcome to the podcast where we give you a peek behind the curtains of the performers and the people that make the Moisture Festival happen. You get a little, little bit of a look at their journey to getting on stage and a little bit about what they do in their time off stage. So welcome and be sure to check out all the episodes of the Moisture Festival podcast because there's a lot. There is a lot. And if you aren't familiar with the Moisture Festival, it's a four-week festival celebrating variety arts. So that's hula hoopers, magicians, people who bounce on their hands, acrobats, pretty much anything you can think of. It is the largest festival of its kind in the entire world, folks. In the entire world, it's the largest festival, and it features some of the best entertainers and comedians working today. The festival happens in the months of March and April, and not only do they have world-class variety acts, but they have a burlesque venue that runs for one week only, and get your tickets for that early because that always sells out actually 95 percent we've crunched the data louie yes. 95 percent of the shows sell out so if you're listening to this in the months of march and april be sure to go to moisturefestival.org and get your tickets today yes especially if your bucket list item is to see the opening show get them now absolutely On this episode of the Moisture Festival podcast, we have the hilarious Kermit Apio. Yeah, last year was his first year at the Moisture Festival. We talk about him playing the ukulele, how he ended up in Washington State, and his love of pie. Yeah, so it's a fantastic interview with one of my favorite comics in the entire country. And we're doing this, uh, we're triangulating our, our coordinates, folks. Louis in Montana, I'm in Washington, and uh, Kermit is who knows where. And I think, his, uh, I think his location, he did not want to be known. So let's get to the interview with the awesome Kermit Apio. Let's do it. On today's Moisture Festival podcast, we have the hilarious Kermit Apio. He is uh, best known for winning the Great American Comedy Festival competition. Yes. And touring yes. North America endlessly. <laughs> delighted this for over 25 years. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Moisture Festival podcast. Kermit Apio, Woo! <laughs> Thanks for joining Thanks. us, man. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate that. Yeah. And it's uh, it's because we've interviewed you for our own personal podcast, and it was a treat, and now we get to do it for the Moisture Festival podcast, which you got to do for the first time uh, in 2023. Yep. Yeah, you were kind of thrown <laughs> to the wolves in there. <laughs> but real quick, let's back up. Um, okay. So you, how do you describe what you do? Uh, boy, it's, it's, just, it's just a guy talking about his life. Uh, it's a lot of... It's a lot of whining and self-deprecation, if that makes sense. Um, I, I, yeah, it's 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 a it's very it's sort of boringly described. Okay. You know? Yeah. 
There's well, not much to it. You're, you're well, okay. Those in broader terms, if someone never saw you, you're a stand-up comic. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Did, did the whining and self-deprecation happen before you uh, became a stand-up comedian? And someone, said, you know what? You could probably make money doing that. Um. Uh, to some, yes, yes, I would say that. Like, when, when, it, basically, what I do comes from the fact that when you when you grow up when you grow up with a name Kermit, right? And Sesame Street went national when I was two, so it kind of changed the name. And so you kind of learn that in elementary school. I sort of learned that if you, if I tease myself first, it wasn't as interesting for them to tease me, you know. And yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I think definitely self deprecation kind of kind of came early in my life. Now is is Kermit because you're from Hawaii, right? Yeah. Is yeah. Kermit a common name there, or was? No, 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 not at all. It's not. It's just a. Uh, it was just my dad. It was a. It was a football player that that, that uh, for the Dolphins, and he kind of liked the name. So it. Yeah, it, it was really. It was a weird name there too. Okay. <laughs> now, being probably the second most famous Kermit, do you get emails from other people named Kermit? That's like, hey, coincidence. I also have this name. Uh, there was a time early in in Facebook when when you know uh, like whenever like maybe that those kind of first three years of Facebook where that happened, but then it but then it stopped. But I think. I think all the Kermits reached out to each other around that time, and and, and we found that the novelty wore off quickly. You didn't and, have and so. a you didn't have a big meetup or anything, uh, right? There was no convention. <laughs> well, I was like, there's for me, like, there's a bunch of like more more famous Matt Bakers. There's like a comedian, and then there's an artist, and I was like, we should do like a Matt Baker show, you know, like like we're just all people named Matt Baker. I thought it would be cool, like with Kermit, like you know, yeah. how, what arc that would be cool. Yeah, I would watch the Matt Baker show. I would host it because I wouldn't forget any names. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so you're originally from Hawaii. How'd you end up? You live yep. in Washington now. How'd you yep. end up in Washington? Uh, University of Washington. I, uh, I I went to UW in 1985. Um, so the ironic thing is, my my son is uh, he just graduated high school, and in a few days I'm taking him to Hawaii. He's going to University of Hawaii. So, <laughs> yeah. So we're doing we're doing the the complete opposite thing, and, and I mean it really is the complete opposite thing. Like he was in high school, he had he had really good grades and a girlfriend. So so he's you know we're, we're doing the complete opposite. <laughs> now, what'd you go to college for? Uh, communications, but I didn't finish. I, I I did two and a half years at UW, and I wound up taking a job with United Airlines at that point. Okay, what'd you do with, yeah. with United Airlines? Liquor bottles, you know the carts with all the booze. Yeah, I uh, I dealt with those. I. I I cut the locks and uh, counted all the liquor, made sure the numbers were matching what, what the flight attendant said. Flight attendants said were there, and and then I reset the carts for the outbound flights. So, what was the most? What's what's the training that you had to do for that? Like, <laughs> how do people not that job? <laughs> uh, it's it's actually a lot of math, and which was funny because I wasn't good at math. Uh, but yeah, it's because you know you're 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 passing about. 4,000 of those mini bottles a day, a shift. And so you got to yeah. account for all of that, you know? So, uh, yeah, it's quite a bit. Do you remember what the most popular liquor in 1987 was? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, on the Alaska flights, the flight that came in from Anchorage, anything, those trays <laughs> yeah. would come in, those trays would come in practically, even the stuff that's like, people only cook with that. Why do we put that on those trays? <laughs> We're out of sherry. Yeah, right. That's it. That's the stuff. 
and and um and uh but the funny thing was like the funny thing that cracked me up that flight left anchorage at eight in the morning <laughs> oh yeah it, it was so it'd be these a lot of times it was like it was these fishermen that come off the boats right so they don't care what time it is they're drinking Mm-hmm. And uh, but yeah, these 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 carts would come back practically empty. It was the funniest thing. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever get someone point the finger at you and be like, "What's up? What we're wasting more alcohol than normally?" And you're like, "There, it's the Alaskans." <laughs> oh, everyone knew it was legendary on United. <laughs> like like um, people would people would come by and ask me, "How'd the Alaska flight do?" And I said, "Well, there's uh, eight mini bottles left," and we'd all laugh. Like it was it was a it was sort of a legendary thing there. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Now, is your is your kid now that he's going to Hawaii, the University of Hawaii? Is he following your footsteps? Is he a pretty funny guy, or is that sort of like is he, he totally going opposite? Well, my, my both my kids are really funny, but I, he's not. He's not. I, I think I think both of the kids are are um, pretty well adjusted, and I and I think that's. I mean, you guys know it's one thing we all know funny people, but. It's the person that's funny and needs attention from strangers. That's the second yeah. part, right? So he's not like he never gets in front of people. Now my daughter is is really funny, and she's danced hula. She's kind of a performer. She she's a leader. She 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 has no problem speaking in front of uh, speaking on a microphone. And so she's one that would, but I I couldn't discourage it more. She's so smart and so like, you know what I mean? Like she could she could actually have a job that has insurance. Like, she has that kind of potential. <laughs> That's the key to every successful entertainer is they've married insurance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Absolutely. Yes, That's yes. I profile, I was like, must have insurance. Like... <laughs> 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 I mean, is that like a, a conversation that you have with the kids at some point? Like, like what do – how do they – view because i i just have a kid had a kid and i'm just imagining the conversations that she'll have as uh you know growing up as a teenager and adult like of what their dad does i mean what 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 does your kid think of what you do i I think i think the one thing that's uh good about you know them being around it so much is that it's 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 very realistic right so yeah it's great they have all these comedy aunts and uncles who are hilarious you know what i mean they've grown up around really funny people and 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 also too they 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 think it's kind of cool that their their friends will say hey um my parents found your dad on you know on dry bar or on youtube and we watched his clips and and everything um and and there's stuff like that that's really cool but also they also know that there are times where I kind of look at the calendar and, you know, looking like, hey, four months from now, I got to figure something out, you know, because as it stands yeah. right now, we're not paying any bills, you know, yeah. and and also to just the struggles of of like how to go about this and, and, and the and, and the things that, you know, the, the sort of you guys know, man, the, working hard towards a door and then that door cracks and then closes right you think i just wasted all that time thinking i could get that gig or i could you know get in with that with that you know whatever club or or agency or whatever and and i think from that standpoint it's good because they have a realistic view so if they do decide to go into entertainment they won't go in as dreamy as a lot of a lot of me included people get into it uh they know a lot of the the harder sides of it right they also know like uh i tried not to miss things but i've missed a few things because i had to be in montana you know and so and, and so they understand that 
they understand like you know there are parts of it that are not the best look it's a great job and and i am so thankful i'll be able to do it this long i did not think when i started that i'd be doing it 30 years but i they also know that hey there's times where you're going to be on the road you're alone you're you're on a you're on a cruise ship in the middle of the ocean and you just can't get in touch with anybody so there would be days where i don't talk to anyone Mm -hmm. uh uh, on land and so all those things are realistic to them so if they do go in at least they'll know kind of what it is for sure yeah now let's back it up a bit how did you get into comedy um, I was always a fan of comedy. Like when, when, when I was a kid on Fridays, my mom would let me stay up, uh, and watch Carson and Saturdays SNL, you know, which, which, you know, was a lot of the SNL stuff. I didn't get the jokes, but I knew those guys were having fun. I knew they were having a great time. And so I've always been a fan. And then, and then in high school and, and even college, whenever I had a creative writing assignment where I could try humor, I did wasn't always funny, but I, I liked trying to write something funny. And, um, and then when I was working for United Airlines, there was a guy on another shift um, who did open mic and occasionally paid gigs. And people were telling me, you should meet that guy. He's really funny. You guys, you guys would get along. And he took me to open mic. And um, and I just hung out and watched for, I think, three times. <laughs> and yeah, which was which actually really was great. And I recommend that to people who, t- who, who ask me advice when they, they want to start doing it. I say, go watch open mic. Don't put... Don't put pressure on yourself to do it. Go, go see what it's like. And, and then the, uh, so the fourth time he goes, you want to go to open mic tonight? We were, we were at work. And I said, sure. And he goes, uh, can I sign you up? And cause I think he knew I, I wanted to do it. You know, I, I think he kind of, and I just didn't have the guts. And so I said, um, what should I do? And he goes, oh, that, that stuff you write in the, I had a little, like a journal book that I would write little jokes in. And he said, that stuff you write, just do that. And I said, what if I don't have five minutes? And he goes, then say good night. You don't have to do five minutes. <laughs> and, like I thought that I thought that like, oh, five minutes was required. And he's like, no, that's a maximum time. So the that's show doesn't go too long. Minimum requirement. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's a so, huge bit of, of advice that a lot of beginners don't get. You don't need to do the full five minutes. Right, right, right. If you, if, and that's what he told me. He said, "He said when you're done with when you're done with it, just say goodnight. And uh, and I went, "Oh, that and that took a lot of pressure." So then I thought, "Okay, I'll just go do it, and uh, I don't have to worry that I don't have enough time." Yeah, yeah. So it was great. At 30, 30 seconds or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kermit Appeal. Hey, good night, guys. <laughs> but it, it actually wound up uh, being pretty good. I got I got a few laughs and everything. You know. Uh, for a first set, it was pretty good, and and I had um, there was a uh, one one comic who we're still friends today. He was standing on the side of the stage when I came off, and he said, he said, "You're going to keep doing this, right?" And I hadn't even thought about beyond that moment, right? That first set, that's all you're thinking about. And a couple other comics said the same thing. They shook my hand. They said, "Hey, keep doing open mic. You know, we've seen you here before, but I'm, you know, it's a good thing you went up, you know." And and uh, and, and that was it. I just sort of became the best hobby in the world. You know, now do you remember any of the jokes? <laughs> uh, yeah, I do. But uh, well, no, wait. I don't think I had the. Uh, no, I guess I don't remember the first. Uh, you know, some of it was like, some of it was building blocks of stuff I do today. Like, you know, I did. I did want to talk about being from Hawaii because I figured that was a unique angle, and I still do that every show. I think. I think I 
I think I made a joke about my name, but I can't remember what it was. And those two things I still talk about today. So, so, you know, it was kind of the building blocks of, of it, but uh, I'm trying to say, if, let's keep interviewing. If I, if I remember something, I will. <laughs> I don't know. Where. Like, yeah. Do you ever like go through your old books? Like, you know, from back, maybe not that far back, but like 20 years ago and like go, Oh my gosh, like what was I even thinking or writing? Or then you find something you're like, Oh wow. There's like a little hidden gem right here. Yeah. The second one is rare. The second one is, uh, that's the, you find something you go, Oh, I should be, I should be doing something about that. Um, but yes, I've, I've looked through, I haven't done it in a few years, um, just because I, I, in the house, you know, uh, once, once you have kids, your house gets stuff. And, uh, yeah. so I don't know where they are right now, but, but I, I did it about 10 years ago, maybe 10 or 15 years ago. I found, I found one book and, and I was like, what is this book? I, I didn't remember owning it. And, um, and look through some of it. And yeah, you're right. Some of it was like, hey, dude, why, why'd you even try that bit? That's not good, you know? And, and, uh, and then, and then, and I did see a couple that was like, oh, I could, I could kind of rebrand this in some way and make it work, you know? So. You're like, was this my journal from my depressing period or my <laughs> joke book? <laughs> uh, it would look more like a grocery list, really. It was like, <laughs> Like, man, did I go to Fred Meyer in 1994? <laughs> now, you won the, the what was what was the the big comedy con the the uh, the Great American uh, Comedy Festival. And how far into comedy were you when you when you did that? I was pretty far in. That was 2009. So that was, uh, uh, you know, uh, about 20, 19 years or so into comedy. But um, that was great. Look, I I just I was hoping to make the make just get into the festival right and um and i was one of i was one of the last uh three they said they were down to like three spots and 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 uh and and, and by the way the only reason they told me that because i won they it wasn't like it wasn't like they hey you got the festival barely like they weren't you know what i mean <laughs> canceled ahead of you <laughs> yeah right they told me that after i won because then it became kind of a cool story so i was hoping to make the uh make the festival then i got to the festival and i thought wow if i can make it to the finals because the industry comes in the day of the finals so there's there's a couple industry people during the prelim days but it's a it's like a four or five day festival and so a lot of the industry comes in on the weekend and i thought if i can make the finals then industry will see me not that i had any like monstrous dreams but i just thought it's good to make connections with with people and and uh and then i i got really lucky I, I drew a perfect spot. I th so there were eight of us in finals, and I went on four, which is kind of perfect, right? Um, and then the other thing, which I was fretting over, is I took a chance on something. So in one of the prelim nights, um, there was a tornado siren during the show. And so so the last two acts, one act was on stage, and, and there was one more act to go, didn't get to perform because they, they told everybody, go into the uh, green room areas because the theater is unsafe. But the green room areas, they're all enforced, like they have like cinder block and they're enforced for this kind of thing. And so it was a pretty scary, you know, a scary thing. So I uh, I talked about that briefly at the beginning of the set in the finals. And the line that, that did way better than I thought, like I was actually considering not doing it. I was like, just stick to your set, stick to your set. And um, I said something like, hey, you know that... Uh, uh, that map, because I talked about, hey, a lot of us comics had never been through a tornado siren, 
And I said, and I talked about how, how, how amazingly calm they were, right? They just, everybody kind of got up and walked to their cars and went home. And, like, and I said, <laughs> I said, if this is where I live, there would have been people running over each other, you know? And, and, but anyway, so the thing I said was like, Hey, uh, on the news, when they have that little map with all the color coatings of where the, where the, you know, I can't remember how I said it, you know, the tornado threats, they have a little map, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. At the bottom and, and it has all the colors on it. I go, do me a favor. Uh, tell me where I am on the map. <laughs> and so, and so they it killed because they all know what county they're in. Yeah, you know. So I I tagged that couple of tags on that, and after that I could do no wrong. This I, I mean, yeah, because I I connected with them rather than rather than just did a suitcase of material that I brought right. And so by the time I got to the suitcase, they were like with me. So anyway, the set went well, but I gotta say. It was a really talented group of people. I mean, it was like those finals, man. There were people who I had seen on TV or, I, you know, I, I just it was it was a really good finals group. So I just I was just glad I had a great set. And then and then they announced that I won it. So, so how cool that you sort of got into comedy by watching Johnny Carson and then you yeah. are performing in the finals of essentially that that comedy festival or competition is in Johnny Carson's hometown. It's sort of like touted is sort of like on his sort of, I don't know, in his, not as in his name, but in his legacy and his memory. Yeah. And then yeah. here you are winning it. That was, that's why it's there because it's in, it's in uh, uh, Carson's hometown. That's why the, uh, that's why the, the whole festival is there. And, uh, and yes, and it was, and the idea was, the idea was to find comedians all around the country who could, who could do the tonight show, right. Who, who have five minutes that can, that would do well if Johnny was still doing it. Right. And that was the yeah. kind of, the thought and so um yeah there were comics literally from all over the country and uh yeah so for me to win that thing was like surprising and 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 just incredible and it was it was hard to even understand you know uh no uh, i mean i mean you're you deserve to win come on you're an amazing comic what are you talking about <laughs> I, I mean i get it but like i said at the beginning man it's just a guy talking about his life there's nothing yeah. you know what i mean but that's what's great about you, man. It's like you, you're very humble, and you're you connect with your audiences, and uh, yeah, you're and you yeah you're you're like one of the, my favorite comics of all time. So, so and uh, it's, what's cool too is like going. I didn't know you had won that festival, and then I was in the museum, uh, the Carson Museum in that town, and there's a big picture of you <laughs> on the wall, and I'm like, crazy is that? <laughs> yeah, man, that is unreal to be to be part of that, and then. And, and you know, as you saw, like you get to you get to sign the wall at, at Carson's uh, house. No, no, it's not his house because they actually rebuilt it, so a lot of it's different. But um, you get to sign the wall at his childhood home, you know. And uh, and man, that was really touching because, like you said, I I he was kind of my introduction to comedy, and and uh, uh, I, I just it was a big deal to win that thing. It was a big deal to sign that yeah. wall, man. It's and then and then the next year they brought me back to host. Uh, the prelims and so that was even better because i got to do the same festival and not have the pressure of competing i didn't have yeah. to worry about anything i was hosting that was and and that uh group of comics was so talented that and i had no worry about having to beat any one of them you know what yeah. i mean like i was just i was just i was just hosting enjoying people the comics would ask me questions like hey what do you think about this i'm like wait i see this guy on tv and he's asking me like my what what his strategy should be going into finals like it was it was really a great time you yeah. like strategy like, tornado 
(laughs) making that tornado siren go off. (laughs) You pay a guy at the city 50 bucks to cross some wires. (laughs) Took me a month to figure out how to bring that. (laughs) Wait, hold on. When they did the tornado siren, you said that everyone went in the green room. Did they bring the audience into the green room too? uh... No, like I said, the audience knew what to do. They all literally... Like the comic is still up on stage. That's what it is. It goes, and they all quietly grabbed their coats and got up and and, and walked out. Poor, poor and, guy. Yeah, and and so immediately the stage manager she came out. She said to the comic, "It's a tornado sign. You got to come with me." And so the comics and production people stayed in the the green rooms and the, the dressing rooms because those are those are fortified. Yeah. So that's a real um, us and them scenario. They're like <laughs> the, the talent gets to get saved. You peasants go uh land a ditch outside. Now well, the, fa- the fact that they were so calm tells me that they're probably used to this kind of cast <laughs> system. You know? I think because they they were like, yeah, we're not going to the green room. We gotta go to home. You know, we gotta go to our cars. <laughs> so I think it was something that they they are aware of that. <laughs> yeah, because like when I was out there, I was doing there was a fair, there's a fair that's out there, and I was performing at that fair, and there was tornado sirens, and no one, you know, it was like or there was a tornado warning or something, and I was like, Do we shut down this fest? Fair, and they're like, no, it's fine. It's it's twenty miles away. It's like that's close. That's <laughs> yeah. so close. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. They seem to have the math of it in their heads all collectively, right? Because it's such a part of their lives. But that was the thing that for for most of us, you know, it wasn't. We weren't we weren't sure about the math, right? So all we could know is that we heard this siren that the whole town could hear. And no one is panicking, but we want to panic. We were, we were like, okay, you know. and But they said, they, they told us, like, the theaters aren't good. Any place that's cavernous, you don't want to be. But yeah, some place like this where there's a lot of, you know, brick and reinforcement, and that's why they build theaters that way, because if something happens, you can go into a safer place, you uh-huh. know. And, uh, um, but, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a very bizarre thing to watch how calm they were. It, it, they, they just kind of got, got the- up and walked. Yeah, it's crazy. We should tell them that they can move. It's allowed. <laughs> so let's kind of change gears. You got it because we've talked a lot about what you do for work. So you have a hobby yeah. that's – or is it a hobby? It's kind of work now. Uh, you, you play ukulele, right? And guitar. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah more, more guitar than ukulele, but I do play both. Okay. How would you get into that? Oh, okay. So it goes back to comedy. I would quit my day job. Right. And you guys know when you first start, you don't fly anywhere, man. Nobody's flying you. You're not you're not good enough for a plane ticket. So I ran two cars into the ground trying to learn how to do comedy. Right. So I just quit my day job. I'm in my car. I'm in some place, a small town in Oregon, and I'm staying in this motel that's just scary. And I don't want to be in the motel, you know, just and that that you become more used to. But when you first go into comedy and you're staying at motels that you never stayed at at that level, you know? So we went for a walk and across the street from the motel, there's a pawn shop with a guitar in in the window. It said 40 bucks. And I thought, you know, my hobby just became my job. I need another hobby. So I knew how to strum two or three chords, but I didn't really know how to play. And so, so that was it. So I, 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 I bought, you know, year, a couple of years later, I bought a better guitar and I sort of, I would just play in hotel rooms and especially before the airline started charging for luggage, I would just check in a guitar with me. I, one time I had this club owner. <laughs> I, I, he comes he comes to pick me up. I come walking out of baggage claim with my suitcase and my guitar. 
and he's 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 looking at me and i said hey how's it going he goes hey right and he's like he seemed standoffish so i'm putting stuff in the guitar or i put stuff in the trunk and i jump into the car i go hey it's really nice to meet you thanks for having me and he goes your tape didn't say you're one of them guitar acts <laughs> What? He he thought he got swindled. Like I sent him a purely stand-up tape, and but no, he's really one of them guitar acts. Like, and first of all, what's wrong with guitar acts? I can name you some really funny guitar acts at that time that were killing it, you know. And second of all, like that's a you know I I realized I put him in this position, and I said no no this is just something I I I play in hotel rooms, man. I I don't I don't bring it on stage at all. So it started that way, and then. And then when my daughter uh, was dancing hula, she started when she was five. Uh, I started uh, playing music for for their kind of little performances and recitals, and it started from there. So, uh, and then and then during COVID, I couldn't do comedy, and so I started doing a Wednesday music hour mm-hmm. on Facebook just to do something right, and yeah. um, and that's kind of built in into a thing and, and now i have this small but really loyal and fun crowd that kind of watches it and i don't get to do it every wednesday because of because because i'm back to work but um it was uh it, it, i try and do whatever i can and it was just a great experience during, during the lockdown because it kind of connected with people also i used to when before comedy had started back up i had a little tip jar graphic on the thing people would send me tips and man i'll tell you at a time where i wasn't making money there were, there were weeks where there'd be two, 300 bucks uh, of tips on those shows. And, and so I can't, I, I'm so appreciative to people. Um, but like I said, there's a small crowd that sort of still watches it every Wednesday and, or send me requests and everything. And that's made me a better musician because I didn't want to play the same 10 songs every week. So I would try and learn new songs. Uh, and the, the show's mostly Hawaiian songs, but I've really branched out into all kinds of songs. Uh, I do, do some hit me baby songs. one more time. <laughs> <laughs> An acoustic version of that girl is poison. Yeah. <laughs> do you ever try and double dip when you're on the road and you're like, Hey, you got me at the red lion. They have a bar. Let me book the uh, music show in there. <laughs> I, you know, I haven't, I probably should in some situations. I, um, I did do one corporate event where they had me play guitar at the beginning, and then after dinner, I did a I did a stand up set, but it was too it was too weird for the audience. It, they felt like they felt like Jip, like that's the guy who was playing guitar, and so <laughs> did we not have so a I, bigger budget? Didn't right, we? right. And so my first five minutes, I was like, "What is happening? They don't like me." And I realized, oh, because they were mentally trying to figure out why is that guy doing this, right? And and. And it was hard. It was hard. I can't stop the show and say, "Hey, this is the actual thing I'm good at." The other thing was just a, just a hobby. <laughs> this is this is the job. This is the day job. You know. Um, so yeah, it's a really weird thing. I, I keep them pretty separate. Now, for weird things, I've always wondered this. What's how? What's the connection with you and Pi? How did this come about? Oh, I'm just a big Pi, Pi person, and and I have I have these pro Pi jokes in the show, and. And so I, I, you know, it was just when social media was kind of perfect for that. And I didn't realize it at, at the time, but I'd always make jokes about, you know, and make pie references, or I'd, I'd post a picture of a slice of pie or something, you know, and, and, and then it kind of took momentum. And then as memes came along, whenever there was a pie meme, it would be on my page like 25, 30 times. Like, have you seen this? Have you seen this? You know, like, and, and so it kind of took its own momentum and I played along. You know what I mean? Like it, it yeah. kind of it went ahead of me, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, sure, I'm the, I'm, you know, I, I'm the guy that likes pie, you know." And um, 
And so, yeah, it kind of, it's actually been great. I've enjoyed it because it, it makes for great conversations and, and, uh, uh, and it's a kind of a, a cool novelty thing, right? Where, where when I talk to people, I'm not just talking about stand up. They have something else that they can ask me about or, or we yeah. can talk about. Yeah. Do people ever bring pies to your show and be like, we made this for you? Yes. So it does happen. And so I, I, I had this show and this, uh, this, this guy comes up and, and I mean, you know, probably in his sixties or whatever, he just walks up, doesn't say a thing now, puts this bag near my feet, and um, and then walks away, and doesn't say a thing. And I'm like, it is, and uh, and I, I, is that a bomb? Is it is it poop on fire? I, you know what I mean? It was like, <laughs> it was a very, and I was afraid to look at it. I was kind of, so I, I opened it, and there was a pie in there, and and I, and I said, who brought this? And <clears throat> with the lights i couldn't see and but this oh, you were on stage? Over, yeah 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 oh. it was, i was literally he waited yeah because I, I was in the back before the show so he never saw me so he thought well i'll just wait till he gets on stage and did it in the most creepy way possible right he just kind of puts this bag at my feet and walks away and um <laughs> and it turned out to be a pie and and uh and uh and yeah and so i i i i it was really cool. I made a bunch of jokes about it, but one of the things I said, I, I said, I said, many of you don't know why this is happening, but just because I haven't done those jokes yet, you know, like it was, <laughs> he he could have timed it better. <laughs> Look, if you're going to bring me a pie, wait till the 35th minute. Yes. Oh, wait till the pie jokes and then, then you enhance those punchlines. Um, no, but I was very appreciative, but, but yeah, so that does happen. Uh, people, People will bring me pie with not a lot, but but it, it's very flattering because it's effort. Look, even going and buying a pie is effort, right? Yeah. So, so it's really nice when people do that. Do you remember the pie that it was? Was it good? Did you eat it? <laughs> well, that was the other thing. That was <laughs> I did make jokes about about what could be in the pie. Yes, um, <laughs> but me and the other comedians ate it. It was really good. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And you all have dysentery now. <laughs> We were we were joking about that in the back, but here's the funniest thing: you guys will relate to this. The host, who we all know, the host is the the um, has the least time in comedy, is making the least amount of money in the show, you know, whatever. The host is like, "I'll try it," and I'm like, "Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I remember that. I remember. I remember being the starving comedian. If someone brought food, like, well, there might be something in here. Nope, I'll eat it. Bring it. Bring it over here." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's not bad. <laughs> now, speaking of sort of like weird, unusual things that happens in shows, you were able to uh, participate as a host for the Moisture Festival, the Moisture Festival this year. Um, I don't know if we properly prepared you for <laughs> the show itself. Uh, no, and you were the first stand-up that we have had. Second. Uh, oh, second. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, because Kathy went first. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so tell us sort of like your mindset going into hosting a Moisture Festival show, what you were anticipating, what uh, was accurate or not accurate in our descriptions of the show. <laughs> well, I come at it from this angle because because you, you say that, you know, you may not have properly prepared me, but I really I don't think there's a way to do that. I don't think you can really properly prepare someone because especially from the stand up world, because it's totally different. There's nothing like it. It's really unique. So 
you could give me every detail possible and I still have to be there to see what that was like. And man, I loved it. I, I love, so one of the things I will say this, um, so from my early days in hosting, I've always memorized the intros, right? Because I just think it looks more professional. And, and so when comedians kind of hold up the intro and read it, <clears throat> I mean, that's fine. A lot of people do it, but I like memorizing because it, it just looks like, you know, we're all invested in this show. It gives the audience a more professional thing. And when I got the list of the, you know, there were these French names and all these things. And, and the, he's, he's performed in this and in this thing or or she was a she was award winner at these festivals that have all these words that i had no idea what they were right and so i'm like so on my way there i'm literally thinking okay i'm not gonna memorize i feel bad i'm gonna have to read these but i did it i was able to memorize because what i would do is i would before i would talk to people and and say uh, what can i say in your intro what would you like me to say because because you guys gave us you know the, the the sort of paragraph about them but I know for me, I don't want you to read the whole paragraph. I don't want, yeah. you know, I don't want someone interested in me like he was born in Honolulu, Hawaii, you know, and like, yeah. and so, and so I would ask people, Hey, what is your, you know, what would you, what are the bullet points? What do you want me to say and everything? And, and that was a, a way to get them to say the words out loud. So I could hear that. Oh, yeah. I was like, Oh, okay. That's how you say that, that really long French word. Right. And um, so, so, there were things like that where there's no way I could have understood. There's no way I could have, I could have, I could have done. And it, there was a small area where there was, it was kind of packed because, you know, there were people like the, but I tried to stand in that area and watch because I was enjoying so much what was happening. I, it was such a great experience to me. And, 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 you know, uh, my, my favorite line that I said um, that, that, and when I came out at the beginning, I said, you know, one thing, one thing you never want to know is, uh, is that for sure you're the least talented person on stage tonight. <laughs> and, and, and I said, cause what you're about to see, you know, and everything, and they, they cracked up at that. I said, cause really what you're about to see, just think of me watching these acts going, Hey, all I do is talk. <laughs> and so, and so having that setting that up at the beginning, I think really was like, it was a fun thing because then when I came out, you know, certain, certain, uh, spots between acts, you guys needed time to kind of reset the next act or break down the previous act. So, so I got to go out and do either material or talk about it, but, but, but a couple of those, I just had fun sort of talking about the show, you know, like there was a, there was a woman who did this amazing kind of trapeze thing and, and all these beautiful dance moves on this. I can't remember if it was a ring or something. And she was kind of suspended and, and the, just the strength and body control and amazingness. And, 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 and it actually, it told a story like she she told why she came up with this thing and it was absolutely beautiful and um and i came out and i said and i said wow that was amazing got her a big round of applause and i said i i did an act similar to that i slipped in the shower and i and i just pulled the shower curtain <laughs> and and so it was it was really kind of keeping the context of who i was yeah in in a show like that with that much talent and ability and and creativity and it, man, it was so, it was such a great experience because I think for me, the audience, uh, uh, I could tell it wasn't 
really a stand-up audience per se right you know um but but in a way that was good because it's number one it's good to get out of your comfort zone and number two i didn't have to structure everything like set up punch set up punch right when you go to comedy clubs you know they want to hear it a certain way right especially people who go to comedy clubs a lot it's set up like get to the punchline with the moisture crowd it was great because it didn't have to be that way. And man, it was fun. It was, I took a lot of pressure off myself about punchlines and just said, look, you're hosting. So connect, right. Figure out a way to get with them. And then, and so, yeah, so, so sort of, sort of the theme of my part of the show was I'm really enjoying this because there's no way I could do anything like this. And as it, as it developed, I realized, Oh, that's why they're here too. That's why the audience is here. Mm. They genuinely appreciate the talent that goes into this they don't for, for many of them they don't know really what they're going to see they didn't look up every act and see what they do but they're there because that festival is going to show them something unique and and people thinking way outside the box and for me to appreciate that from on stage i realize in hindsight it helped them connect to me because they were doing the same thing yeah, um, yeah. i can't say that was a strategy that i knew was going to work that way but it but it, it sort of worked that way. And, and as I figured it out, I was like, oh, good. I'm glad I went this route. Yeah. Yeah. And we're glad yeah. you were able to do it, too. That was. Yeah. Well, when we were coming up with the, you know, because we had never had comics sort of host. And when we were approaching the idea, we were, Louie and I, you know, the the rest of the booking team is more in the variety world. And we, we sort of straddle a couple different uh, worlds. And we were like, who in Seattle would be good at this and you were the first person we're like yeah yeah and so luckily we got to have a few people a few comics come in and uh, all of them were great and it's nice to me to add that to the variety shows because it is sort of like in old vaudeville days you would see a comic you would see a client you would see a guy talking about snake oil or an engine or something in a vaudeville show so it really to me kind of keeps the spirit alive of a true variety show yeah well i appreciate that and i, and I appreciate that you took that chance because because yes it's true that you would see that in the old vaudeville shows but comedy has evolved in a whole different direction since yeah. then right yeah. so um and if you go into that two setup punch it it really does kind of um I think it would it would separate you a little bit from what's happening, right? And so the yeah. fact that the fact that you trusted me with something like that, or, or even even kind of thought that, you know, maybe maybe a, a comedian would work in something like this, uh, it really meant a lot. It really it was I, I was really flattered that you that you decided to go a different direction, and then have me as part of the part of the handful of people that were going to introduce this new idea to it. Uh, I'm I'm thankful. Yeah, bringer, we can have someone ruin it for. <laughs> make sure that it didn't get ruined the idea so we need to get wrapping up but i want to throw out one thing that i found about you on the internet apparently you're worth up to seven million dollars what (laughs) what that's what i found on the i texted matt that this morning virtual tip jar is going off the chain wow that is uh man i i see i don't i don't google myself because i'm just that person like on my on my on my video clips from dry bar Mm-hmm. Comics will always say, we'll talk about, they'll post comments of people saying things about them, you know. And I told a friend of mine, I go, I've never read one comment from those dry bar oh. specials. And he said, he said, you should, most of them are good. I go, yeah, but some of them aren't. And that's all I can think about. I don't, I don't care. Um, wow. I'm very, I'm very impressed. Maybe, maybe this uh, Kia Sedona minivan is not the direction yeah. I should be in. I need to get rid of that thing. And then, and then below it, it said, 
uh, financial number unverified. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to verify that that is very unverified. I'm going to, I'm going to say that that, that disclaimer is the most correct thing about that. So if people want to find out about you, they can find you at uh, ikerm.com. That's I-K-E-R-M.com. Uh, you're on Wikipedia, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, you got a dry bar special, which is a clean comedy special that yeah. is available if you guys want to check out a full special of Kermit's work. Um, and it looks like YouTube also. Am I missing anything? No, that's about it. I, my, my son set up an Instagram, but I don't know how to use it yet because <laughs> – because <laughs> Instagram's only what 15 years old and I still haven't really um, <laughs> but he's he's sort of teaching me so I, I I do have an Instagram that I will start using um but yeah other than that you pretty much uh you pretty much found me so and then you do the, you, you still do the uh, Wednesday music shows yes uh not every you know like I said with schedule yeah, and yeah. everything uh but yes I do um I do them whenever I can so hope you try and get two of them a month in um and uh, yeah, it's it's really fun. It's it's like I said, it's not just Hawaiian music. And one thing I learned during these doing these shows is that um, uh, a lot of the audience isn't from Hawaii, so I'll translate the songs before I sing them to say kind of why it was written and who wrote it and and, and what the song means. Uh, and that sort of have given people the context of everything. So uh, yeah, so it's a, it's a really fun thing. It's six six o'clock Pacific, uh, six to seven. It's I usually play about an hour. And how do they find that? Oh, you just go to my Facebook page. It's um, uh, and you don't have to be uh, like a friend of mine or whatever. You just go to go to my Facebook page at six p.m. and it's it's public. It's it's on there. So and that's um, and, 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 and so search Kermit Apio K E R M E T A P I O. Yes, K E R M E T. And yeah, and so if you go on uh, uh, my page, and, and also too, once the show ends, it stays on my page as a video. So if you don't catch it at six from six to seven. You can you can go on my page and it's on there as a video. You can and you can watch kind of a rebroadcast. Awesome. Uh, well, Kermit, we thank you so much for uh, joining. Short notice too, like we told you last <laughs> last night, and you showed up this morning, man. Super pro, and it's always a treat to talk to you. Uh, yeah, we appreciate you, man, and thanks for being part of the Moisture Festival. Yep. Thank, thanks for having me on the podcast, and really thank you for the festival. That was a great experience, and I, I got to say. You two are so talented and two of the nicest people in comedy and so fun to be around. So thank you. Thank you for having me on. All right, You're welcome. Take care. Thank you. All right. That's it for today, folks. want to thank you so much for listening. If you want to check out more information like who's performing, how to volunteer, how to contribute, be sure to go to the Moisture Festival website, which is moisturefestival.org. If you like this podcast, you can check out the podcast that Matt and I do called the Odd and Offbeat Podcast. Yeah. You can get on all of the podcast places, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, and where we talk about weird news stories of the day. It's a good time. Yeah. If you like this podcast, you will love that because it is all things weird. <laughs> <laughs> and that has links to my personal page and Louis Fox's personal page if you want to follow what we do individually. So we want to thank all of the performers, donors, sponsors, volunteers who 
put on the Moisture Festival. It really takes a village to make this thing happen. Absolutely. We want to thank you for listening, and we want to thank you in advance for coming out to the Moisture Festival. So be sure to check out the Moisture Festival's site. They also have a Facebook page, an Instagram page, and a YouTube page to see how you can get involved and be a part of this year's or next year's Moisture Festival. We want to thank you so much for listening to today's podcast, and we hope to see you soon. See you later. Thank you for listening to Moisture Festival Podcast, and stay moist.